Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore. And even from my way back days at Auto Week Magazine, from my years with the Ford Special Vehicle Team, my decade at Ford Racing, and now managing enthusiast outreach for Ford Performance, I've always worked to build relationships with Ford fans. So to that end, I hope you are reading my efforts to stay connected with you in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com, as well as keeping up with the latest happenings in our hobby by checking out FordPerformanceClubConnect.com every week. My co-host tonight is Mustang hobby and industry expert, who is perhaps best known as the longtime president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, or Moxham, one of the largest and most active Mustang clubs on the continent, plus who also heads up Boxham for you Bronco owners, as well as being the new leader behind the International Council of Mustang Clubs. Of course, I could only be talking about Mike Ray. Mike, we're doing it again. Yes, sir. It's going to be a fun one tonight. How do we do it every time we have another very special guest? Uh, this guy, Mike, goes back to our fun with the Mustang Heroes and uh, all the, my time with Ford SVT. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to bring back uh, one of the superstars, one of the real Mustang Heroes of our time, Ford designer Doug Gafka. Doug was the, the uh, di- design director for Ford's Living Legends Vehicle Program. He started that back in April of 01. And he's also the man behind the 99 Mustang, the Bullet Mustang, the S197 Shelby GT500, and that's just to name a few. I remember Doug doing the GTR concept. Doug, we're so happy to have you. Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. This is a real pleasure to be here. Well, I tell you what, when we uh, we start talking about designers, we love having uh, Mustang designers on the show. And, you know, you've long talked. And Mike, didn't Doug come to a Moxa meeting and talk about his d- design uh, time at Ford? I think I remember. He- yeah. Yeah, yeah, you had a, there. yeah, you had a hell of a presentation, Mr. Gafka. Uh, we enjoyed well, seeing some of, some of your pictures. Yeah, I, I did that. It was back a few years ago. I believe Greg Ersteri was with me, too. He was one of the modeling managers on the yes, program. Yes, that's right. Well. Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Doug. You know, um, a lot of the guys at Ford, they've spent their years in design. They, they work on some great products. Of course, a lot of Ford products are iconic. But um, I've read so many interviews with you, and after talking with you and working with you and seeing you come in and working at the SVT stuff, um, you've often said that you know, the, of all this fun stuff to work on, you got the living legends for a reason, and Thunderbird was one of them, of course. But I think the Mustang has got to be the big feather in your cap when it comes to design. Yeah, I think the Mustang was probably the program that I'm most proud of. You know, it, it's because you you know you have this heritage to carry on and it, it's it's a bit intimidating, but when you have a chance to work on a car that so many people love and respect and just care to own it, it it, it really is a feather in your cap and, and a just a great pleasure to work on. Well, how did you wind up getting working your way up to Mustang when you got into the Ford design team? I, Jack probably didn't have anybody else to put on it. I guess <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I was, <laughs> <That's not true. laughs> You know, I actually, I'm trying to, I actually did get the, the, uh, I came in on the tail end of the, uh, the SN95, the uh, 99 Mustang. And uh, I worked with Janine Bay on that. And I believe Art Hyde was on it at some point as well. But at that time, then I had also uh, been uh, tasked to create the work on the Thunderbird. 
And uh, between the two, the Thunderbird was quite a challenge, but I think the Mustang, there was more enjoyment on that just because of the heritage it had. We were already able to carry through so much of that. Well, I got to tell you, you, you know, the, the stuff you worked on back then, that was a real important time. You know, I had come over from the magazine world and was so excited to be part of uh, SVT and having somebody like you that really understood the car and coming into uh, especially the stuff we were building, you know, the, 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 a lot of people don't understand the dynamics behind, yeah, you do a Mustang, but then designing a bullet. I mean, that had to be, the car didn't exist except for some movie car in 68. And how did you try to transfer that whole idea onto an SN95? Well, you know, that, that kind of started in the studio. We put these, we would create these pictures uh, and just, you know, concept renderings of different uh, iterations that we could do with Mustang. You know, we already had, the, we, you know, we had uh, the Boss, of course, we had the Mach 1, but we hadn't done anything really different in years. And it was actually Sean Tant, who was a designer at the studio, who actually came up with the idea for a bullet Mustang. And uh, and we sold it to Jay Mays, and Jay Mays made some iterations and gave us some thought, and, and that's where it went from there. And uh, that was in that was a ninety. We used a ninety nine Mustang. What was that? Two thousand one was it? Something like that. I'm trying to think. Of yeah, it came out. Two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand one. Jeez, I can actually remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we were, really, we were really excited about that. But there's a funny story behind that. That when we introduced it at the, uh, I think it was L.A. Auto Show. Right. We had decided to show. We had decided to show uh, a bit of the chase scene as an introduction for it and when we we rolled into the chase scene something skipped or something went wrong and it only showed the fiery crash of those the two uh <laughs> the two guys and, 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 yeah and Derek Derek I think it was Derek Kuzak was there too and we we tried to get that off as quick as possible and it, you know we got a kind of a laugh about it later but at the time you know uh you know we want things to go right it just didn't quite go that way but, but uh, <laughs> I didn't know that but you know Mike and I always we talk about uh, we we're really close with the Bullet Boys. Hey, hey Mike, aren't, aren't the Bullet guys going to be part of this uh, big show this summer with the SVT 30th anniversary reunion at World Headquarters? Yeah, we're doing the Bullet Nationals at Mustang Memories at Ford World Headquarters on Sunday, August twentieth. The day well, for the Woodward Dream Cruise this year. That's two reasons why Doug Gafta has to be there. Yeah, yeah. Not just yeah. SVT, but the Bullet. Yeah, those guys, uh, Doug, are just, you know. From from the first one to the to the second one that um, that uh, really took it to the next level off the S197 and now even the current car, there is a, such a passionate following for that car. And you guys, you know, created that just from you know the persona, if you will, from that '68. And um, but I got to tell you, you know, Mike and I both we just fell in love when S197 came out. We fell in love with that car, and uh, you know, I have one. Uh, I've got an 06 convertible. Mike's got a really wicked fastback. And um, Mike, you have to admit, there's something about that. When we went back to some of the basic design principles behind, behind Gail Alderman's first car, the basic stance, that kind of classic look that's undeniably Mustang, and then to have Doug Gafka say, well, geez, i got to make a Shelby GT500 out of this. How do I do that? You really, that was, i got to hand it to you, Doug. I That was a phenomenal car when it, that thing came out and how did you try to take original Shelby heritage and put it on the S197 without making it too different well you know it was 
first of all, it was it was a car that we we knew we we had to we had to up up the uh, how can I aggressiveness of it, and uh, we didn't have they weren't going to let us spend a tremendous amount of money. That is, you know, you're not going to get uh, new fenders, you're not going to get new quarters, you're going to have to work with new fascias, and we did get a new hood. And there was a lot of work that went in that hood, and a lot of work with SVT to actually make these extractors that we had somewhat functional. And uh, and that was, and I remember getting Carol Shelby in the studio, and uh, he was looking at it, and he was he was talking about it. We were coming up with kind of terminology as to how they actually function and why the little blip was there and all the little things that went along with it. And I think the design manager in that was Wolfgang Gotchke, and he was out of Germany. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling him, don't put too much German into this thing. It's still a Mustang, <laughs> you know. But but uh, he he was great on it. He actually worked uh, on the front end. And, it, you know, I, I was there. I have to give credit to the design team that was around me and, and, and all, and all uh, good, good conscious. But, you know, one thing I need to say, though, when we talk about the resurrection of Mustang from – from I think in '79 they came out with a, a car that was a great platform for a Mustang, the Fox platform. But you know, let's be honest, it really didn't look like a Mustang per se. And I think that when Bud Magaldi and Beamer did the '94, I think that was what really set the the, the, the new look in, in putting it back into more of a Mustang heritage and with a, a design uh, lineage that we uh, launched off of in 2005. And uh, gave us the Shelby as well, and all these cars that came later. Uh, Mike, you you can attest to this. Uh, the SN95 really is kind of like the uh, entryway into the hobby now for many young people um, who can't afford a classic car, can't find a second gen, and the Fox bodies now are getting priced off the off yeah. The, the Fox charts. bodies are going through the roof. So yeah, SN95 is definitely the that's the, the new way one. in. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and, and we, you know, we've had, uh, we've we've talked to Bud Magaldi, and you know, and that design language, and of course, John Coletti, who was, was my boss at SVT, came on, and was program manager on that card, Doug. But uh, for many of us, um, what you, you, I think the S197 just kind of flipped the rest of the world over, and and that's when Chevy and Chrysler decided they had to get back into the pony car. <laughs> you, you, you know, John, without, with, without that 05, I might not even be in this hobby at all. That that thing changed my whole life on that. Um, when I first seen the commercial for the 05, I sold my SBO and got in it, and that's when I joined the car club. And now look at me, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a monster was created all because of that 2005 Mustang. You have to look back, Doug, and say, you know, of I mean, you've done a lot of cars at Ford, but of the Mustangs you've done, I think the Shelby GT500 is probably going to be the one that's uh, going to fly the flag the highest in the Mustang world. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, I mean, let's, let's, I mean, like I said, to be honest, just being able to work with uh, Carol Shelby on it and, and, and having him just sitting down and talking to him about cars and what he thought, and he, he did have some, he did have quite a bit of input on on things he liked and didn't like, uh, and it was it was just great. I'll tell you, that's one of the highlights of it. But you know, one thing about the 2005 body style, there was a real sense of honesty to it. It was very clean and, and very forward, and you know the we we didn't try to ape off a lot of the uh, 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 old Mustang look. I think we did a little bit more of that with the haunches in 2010, but we still tried to keep it very clean. And I, that sense of honesty, I think, is what what really helped sell that car and and uh, you know and, and let us really uh, evolve into the Shelby as well. Yeah, Mike, the, you were involved uh, getting input on the 2010. You know, Doug. Headed up that 2010 redesign, that was a that was quite a departure 
from the 05 car, 06 cars that we own, Mike. I mean, to see the 2010 on that same Oh, yeah. It, it really changed the car's personality. And yeah, then, absolutely. You, you, you were on the 10 program as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. I worked on that. That was the last program I worked on until I retired in, in late 2009. So, uh, yeah, that was the last one. And, you know, when we worked on that, we, we wanted to do a couple things that I think the old car, the, the 2005, could have done better. I think the rear end always looked a little bit long. Mm-hmm. So we kind of chopped the corners off on the 2010 to try just to give the hood a little longer look and shorten the rear quarter a bit. Right. So we, we made some changes in that, that and, and it, it caused quite a bit of retooling in it. And Paul Randall was the chief engineer on this, and he was absolutely spectacular to work with. I mean, he he really cared about the design, and so did Derek Kuzak, and, and uh, they wanted to get a, quite a bit of change out of it, you know, other than other than the roof and the uh, the front windscreen, uh, I believe in the, the, no, the quarter glass was new. That was really to only carry over uh, portions of the car, some wow. undercarriage, of course. Well, you know, Doug, every time you change something on a Mustang, you're going to get feedback. Uh, we know that when Magaldi uh, came to Moxham and talked to him about, you know, doing the uh, the SN95, he said, you know, we thought we did a really great car. We came to market with it. You know, it really it really put people back in the Mustang mood. It went back to a little bit of that that look, that stance. And he said, and then what do I get? I get grief because they had three horizontal taillights instead of three vertical. It took two years to swap them out because so many people got angry. And when you guys did chop the corners off the 2010 car, I heard a lot of flack. Do you ever get any of that feedback saying, geez, people, you can't change anything without stepping on somebody's toes? You know, you, I I got feedback in one way or the other from everything I worked on, from, from Taurus to, I mean, from Taurus to Thunderbird to Mustang. But, you know, it's, it's like, a, you know, it, it, you just have to have a thick skin and you put it behind you and, uh, uh, a lot of times you look back and say, yeah, that was something I didn't do right. Or, uh, you know, uh, you look at it that way. But at the time, it's decisions you made. And, uh, you know, I just didn't I just didn't let criticism bother me, um, uh, you know, because as a designer, you're never going to please everybody. And uh, it's just it's just the way it is. A design world, you get, like, you have a thick skin. As simple as that. Well, Mike Ray uh, enamored himself with, with uh, Dave Parasak and talking about <laughs> The Mustang taillights. <laughs> uh, he had never met Mike before, and Mike was called in. What was that a review, an early review, Mike, that you went to? Yeah, we got to go out to Flat Rock, and um, it was you know introducing the new car for 2010, right? And um, I didn't know who he was at the time, and you know there was a lot of the the team around there, and we got to look at the cars and walk around them, and they were just kind of standing by to ask questions. And um, when I walked to the back end, I was looking at it, and he asked me. Um, you know, what do you think uh, of the car? And I'm like, well, I'm not a big fan of the tail lights. You know, they look kind of foreign to me. And that's when he said, I am Dave Parasek, chief engineer. So <laughs> that's how I met Dave. And, but we're best friends to this day. And uh, yeah, great, great guy. But that's literally how I met him. And I think that's why he respected me a little bit more because I didn't hide it. I wasn't a yes man. I told him what I thought. And he appreciated that. Well, Doug, um, beyond all the Mustangs, the, the, there was a bunch of other cars on their portfolio when you talk about the living legends. Uh, what were the, some of the other vehicles that were under that, uh, that that command of yours? Well, we had the Ford GT, of course, uh, then the, the, the uh, Mustang uh, Thunderbird, uh, 2002 Thunderbird, as well as the uh, Focus SVT Focus and and the uh, uh, the Lightning. 
so we worked on those and uh and also you know i had i had some input too on some of the ford racing but minimal on that just basically uh doing the decals for the front ends and stuff in terms of headlights and stuff like that but uh you know getting make sure they oriented right on uh on the on the nascars uh, but other than that uh Oh, it was it was a it was a pretty uh, pretty boring life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Mike, can you can you imagine? He comes off doing the 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 Shelby GT five hundred, the PN ninety six Lightning is a is a phenomenon, all in of itself. The focus was an absolute toe in the water for a performance group that took this the the Civic Si and put it in the in the weeds, and then to go to do the Ford GT, and work with Camillo on that. that Doug, that had to be an absolute blast. Camillo is a wild man. Uh, he is, uh, he's a guy, he is, he is the only person I know that can stay up all night, do whatever he wants to do, no sleep, nothing. I mean, and, and he can come in the next day and be perfectly fine. If I don't get seven or eight hours sleep, I, I'm not, I don't function well. That guy, that guy was superhuman in the years of this day. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, he, he did a marvelous job on that. I, I had, a, like I said, I had a great team working for me. When you have that many programs, you can't follow each one individually. I think of all the programs, I probably stayed closer to the Mustang on a daily basis than I did anything else. Uh, Thunderbird, too, because that was a big project for us at the time, and especially for Jack Nasser, who wanted to really bring that one home. You know, Doug, a lot of people don't really realize the, the impact of that car. Um, Gail Halderman, who you may recall, we we spent some really quality time with Gail um, after he retired, and um, he set up his museum down there in Tip City, Ohio. And we talked a lot. You know, his first car after leaving Ford was he bought a we bought a little red Thunderbird, and he said, you know, you know, Jay Mays and the team, and you working on that car, that was a huge. I mean, you want to talk about icons? Well, before Mustang's time, uh, Thunderbird kind of created the hobby uh, around clubs. You know, the people that that bought T-Birds were in a unique group. And what a car. Now, there's a lot of controversy. You know, the car should have had fins, the car, you know. How did you deal with all that? And did you guys do focus groups with old T-Bird owners? Yeah, we did. You know, uh, again, if you listen to every focus group, you're going to end up with a hodgepodge of so many different things. You know, like you said, some people wanted tail fins. Some people wanted to look more like a, uh, they wanted a lot of the, maybe, the, for example, the, the 59 rather than the 57 or, or a 55. But, uh, you know, we had to pick and choose where we we're going to go. We knew it's going to have to have round headlamps and knew it was going to have to have round tail lamps and how we put everything between it was the big story and getting the platform to work on us off an LS platform that time. It was a bit, uh, trying, but we got there. Uh, I, you know, the Thunderbird, one of the big problems I think was that is we really didn't know how far to take it. I think we could have done be honest with you, a better job on the interior, uh, maybe a better job in performance, uh, put a little bit more more money in the headlamps and tail lamps and those kind of things. But when you're trying to sell a low volume car at a price people can afford, it, it, it ends up being somewhat of a cost study as well. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy. To, I remember Jack Telnet coming in the studio one day and he just didn't think the front end was evolving quick enough. And he mm -hmm. told me, this is the greatest example I've, I've seen of um, stag, stag, what they put it, uh, dynamic stagnation. <laughs> and I looked at him, and, and Jack had a great way of, of of getting his point across without making you feel too bad. <laughs> and uh, and I remember Doyle Letson, who was the manager on at the time, and he jumped on it. Where then we had to really finesse that front end. But 
he was really great at, at doing that. You know, he'd get his point across, but he never he never felt like he got beat up on the way out. No, that I mean, I look back on that and uh, the, the manager weight issues, the, you know, the, the people waited so long for those vehicles. And uh, I just came back from um, doing the CTCI convention in San Antonio last fall and to see how many people that uh, those are just the 55 through 57 cars and how many of the wives are driving 02 and 03 and they're driving the, the new little the retro birds and they, that's what they take to the show i mean it's just so cool to see them and, and to see that that connection there with the, with the car that started it all but yeah doug what a phenomenal career and, and looking back uh, the, the niche groups like svt they presented their own challenges i mean because you were you know, doing Mustangs, but then have to mess with um, the, the SVT focus. And, you know, the whole thing about SVT was understated. We don't want big wings and craziness. You had to make it understated, but more powerful. Ditto on the PN96 Lightning, um, which had to have, you know, it was a lower truck, so you had to make it look even slicker, you know, much more, much more uh, aggressive than the standard F-Series. So, those had to be challenges because, you know, we, we consider you, at least Mike and I do, a Mustang guy. Yeah, and, you know, I think that was one of the challenges with Shelby is because that, that when the Shelby came out, it stepped a little bit away from the, I think, the SVT, uh, you know, restraint kind of look. We, we had to put a little bit more emphasis on, on spoilers and air dams and, 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 and a greater change from the base car. And, uh, you know, I, I, especially the 2010 variant of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, GT 500. And, uh, but I, but I think they were, you know, I enjoyed, I think they came out pretty well. I, I think considering that, you know, you carry over as many components as you do, uh, to get that, that variant to be as exciting as it was. I, I think the 2010 may have been my favorite of all the ones of all the GT 500s that, that I had worked on, uh, to be honest. Well, you know, um, and Mike knows this. We um, a lot of people don't realize it, but the the, the first GT500 that came out in 07, that was actually the 2006 SVT Cobra, um, and it wasn't until right. when right. Uh, Wrestler and and Rui uh, left the company or they they retired, um, and SVT was kind of incorporated into mainstream. That car became the Shelby, and that's you know, I remember Carol coming out and looking at the extractors. Was he more of was he more in favor of maybe an upright, forward-facing scoop? And I, I don't know. You must have had some, some governmental issues about a f- upright, open scoop. Well, we had. Do you, I don't. Who was the one we? I can't think. Was it GT? Was a Shelby one that he, he did? We did the special hood for it. Yeah, that was a um, Shelby GT. Yep, that he he did the uh, he did yeah. his own hood scoop. Yeah, he, we put. Well, they we did. What, what happened was I remember talking to Carol, and I don't remember the the woman's name who ran the company at the time, but we had them on, on the line one time and they were grafting a must, an old Mustang hood and trying to graft it onto the today's hood. And they were going to do a fiberglass and it was, it just wasn't working. So I had one of my designers, Garen Nagosian, we did a, we did it digitally and we actually cut it in clay and we scanned it and sent it back out to him. And Carol looked at it and said, that's perfect. I'll take it. We did it. And that's, we did a show car for that. A silver one and, and that that was a um, that came out really well but carol carol was great i mean he you know he understood what he needed to do and he understood who could do it better and that that makes a real difference 
Yeah, Mike, you know, wasn't think... that uh, wasn't that Amy Boylan? Yeah, wasn't I think it was yeah, Amy Boylan. Was. Yep. yep, yep, Amy Boylan. Correct. Yep. No, that's it. Yeah, we had her on the podcast, uh, and uh, what a dynamic person she was. But I, I remember oh. when by that time, how uh, Tai Tang had taken over chief engineering at SVT when Carol came out, and I remember he was talking about if I want to have my name on it. There was some kind of uh, discussion why those early S197 um, Shelby GT500s didn't have the name Shelby on the back. I know we still had SVT nomenclature on the car. There was, it was in the uh, the sill plates. It was in the in the speedometer. But I know he was really adamant about putting Shelby letters on the car. You know, and I, I understand it, but I, I thought he always liked that upright hood. And, and when he had a chance to do his own, the fact that you guys stepped in and made it happen, that, that's just his signature, I guess, right? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, it was it's part of the whole image of the car and, and the heritage based on But, you know, one thing funny about that is we could not get the Shelby lettering where we wanted it. We wanted it spaced across the back of the car. But we, you know, the first iteration, I think we just did Shelby is on one side. Right. Uh, later on, we did, we did put it across the back, but it was just uh, through, you know, fabricate, you know, the building process and how we located the letters was a real issue. And, uh, but, uh, the second go around, we actually did get it right. And, uh, um, but you know, yeah, it's, it's part of the, part of the, you know, give and take of getting a product out and, uh, and getting everybody. I'd like to, I always like to see design win most of it and a good percentage of time we did on Mustang, but there's a lot of give and take as well. Absolutely. Doug, have you ever been to the Carlisle Allford Nationals in Pennsylvania? Uh, I, yes, I was, but I was there for the, yeah, I was there with Thunderbird back. Oh, geez. Probably 2002. Oh, wow. Mike, we're going to have to get Doug back in, in the swing of things. He just likes to go up North and hang out. We got to get him back into the hobby. Doug, Doug Carlisle's like a Christmas morning for you. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Mustang, I, I, what do they have? Mike, like 2,500 just on well, the like show field? Doug was involved with Thunderbird, Taurus. They're all there. So, I mean. It would just be, you know, you know, like a candy store for them. I almost bought a car when I was there, and I'm lucky. That's probably why I haven't went back. It was a, I know I probably think probably think I'm nuts, but it was a poppy red uh, Edsel. Oh no, I love the Edsel. Love the Edsel. The the guy, the guy had it was it was it was a a 58, and the guy yeah, that's the only one worth having. You're right. Totally restored. It was poppy red, and when I kind of measured off, I didn't think it would even fit in my garage. And uh, and I, I said to myself, boy, if I if I come home with that, my wife is gonna just she's gonna hang me. It's like I can't keep buying cars, you know, and, and uh, things we really don't need. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great show. I remember signing ten thousand Thunderbird model cars or something when I was there. My yeah. wrist hurt for three days. <laughs> that's that's why well, I haven't gone back. Not that they're gonna ask me to sign anything anymore, but yeah. Well, no, that's not true. Mike is gonna ask you. If you can come to the SVT reunion, the Bullet reunion at World Headquarters this summer, and Bullet Nationals, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Bullet Nationals, that, that we're going to have a giant tent, and everybody that touched these Mustangs, from the engineering team, the marketing guys, all the designers, we can get. We even asked Camillo to all get out. The Janine Bay said she would come. Uh, we're going to get them all in a tent, and we're going to have everybody who ever owned one of these cars get their car in the show and come meet the people that touch their car. So they're going to. They're going to be asking you to sign stuff, Doug, if you come. And we'll, if you do come and sign a bunch of stuff and make your wrist hurt again, Mike will probably buy you an ice cream. Yeah, I think we can do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, that'd be great. No, I, I'd, I'd love to go. Yeah, it's just seeing some of the, some of the people I haven't seen in so long. Janine Bay, I haven't seen her in years. Ellen and, and so forth. Well, that's that's the opportunity. And, you know, we do this um, because when we're on the road and Mike talks to all of his members, I mean, he's got a, a, a personal relationship with this giant club and now taking over the international club. And their their joy is to meet the actual people that touched Mustang and, and all these great legendary cars that you worked on, Doug. So hopefully we'll be able to get you to come to uh, the Mustang Memory Show this summer and, and have uh, a time to meet with all the guys and gals that put to, made SVT so special, and the Bullet Reunion, and, and hang out with the car people. Because, you know, you got to tell your wife, you know, my wife wants to waste our money on stupid things like mortgages and food. We, we could actually have Etzels in our garage, too. I know. That's why I kept telling her, what do the kids need new clothes for? I mean, seriously, you know. <laughs> Mike, are we lucky to know and hang out and talk with Doug Gafka? I don't know how you do it, Mike, to keep him in the loop. But let's let's make sure he gets Absolutely. the Absolutely. Um, like I said, a Mustang hero to us and a legend in Mustang history. Nope. Love to be there. You remember the Heroes Banquet, Doug? Oh, yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. Five vice presidents of Ford. Doug Kuzak was there and Raj yep. Nair. I mean. That was, and we want to kind of do that for the people with SVT and Bullets. So, well, Doug, we really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight talking about all these great legendary Mustangs and great cars that you've worked on for your career at Ford. We want to thank you for not only spending some time with us and talking tonight with uh, everybody listening in on the Mustang Owners Podcast, but also for all the people that love the cars that you made. Thank you for your contribution to the hobby and all the things you've done for people that love the cars you've made. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening in to our Mustang Owners Podcast with Doug Gafka. We'll just have to catch you down the road.